Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Not Is Nostalgia podcast is sponsored by the Teammates app, a football quiz like no other. Climb the divisions, win the league, win the cups, all by linking 11 players by association. Whether you're old or you're young, Teammates has both a modern and a vintage mode to suit your skill set. It's Teammates, look for the red and white ball on the App Store. Oh, and I've heard they've got some shirts coming out and there's some more quizzes coming out online too, but keep that under your hat. Welcome to Notice Nostalgia Podcast. Each week, my esteemed pal AJ Alex Rhodes, Brexit Umbra again, and I, Jake Doyle, at the Amsterdam Arena today, hop into our time machine and to the 2000s select footballing moments of the time to pick the bones of. And today, we're going to be talking about Goal, which was released 15 years ago today in cinemas worldwide. But first, we've got Joe Kinnear. Yeah, it's a very Newcastle heavy podcast, I've just realised. Yeah, double Newcastle. Goal. The dream begins, and Joe Kinnear, where the dream also began, obviously, for many a Newcastle fan. And then, Joe Kinnear, I mean, what can you say? For me, just falls into that weird sort of. I mean, it's not just noise because obviously, for decades, we've had characters like this in the English game, but we tended to sort of become. I mean, you've still got a few who are good. Always got your old school, your Allardyces, your Bruce's, who were still decent, but. In the noughties, you still had these sort of dinosaurs, as some people might call them, dwindling out and getting to the end of their career or becoming a bit of a joke. So for me, like, Kerbishly springs to mind. Alan Pardew, yeah, still going, but let's be honest, he's a he's joke. A joke. Alan, yeah. Alan Irvine, Phil Brown, Holloway. Holloway, not as old, but still. Warnock? No, I'd say <laughs> I'd put Warnock in the good, good category. I think you've got yeah. to look at his record and say, you can't really argue with that. He's still doing it, to be fair. No he's one the, would be surprised. He's the, poster boy. he's the poster boy for yeah, football managing dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, but I, I I do see where you're coming from. He's on the good side. He's like a diplodocus. He's not a shit ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a great <laughs> I want to do dinosaur analogies. <laughs> but yeah, Joe Kinnear going to Newcastle in... Um, 
in the nineties, straight after Kevin Keegan. Which I mean, even Keegan was a weird shout at the time. Yeah, Obviously nostalgic, but still weird, based on him not really doing anything. Joking here, especially hadn't done anything doing no we Nottingham Forest before he got the Newcastle job. Sort of out of the blue. Many people not heard of him or forgotten about him by then. And just yet yeah, oversaw and was part of, for me, one of the worst sort of periods for, for any team, really, in terms of, you know, I mean, they weren't incredibly unsuccessful, but they just became an absolute circus of a club during yeah. these years. I think Joe Kinnear is the prime clown example of that. <laughs> so, obviously, we had the nastiness of it, of like, it felt sort of, kind of nasty when it timed itself with Joey Barton coming out of prison and coming back into the team and all the sort of controversy that brought with it. And then you had this sort of manager who'd just come into the fold and started with a bang bite, absolutely tearing a fairly innocent journalist apart in his first press conference. So he already had this kind of reputation of not very nice manager, potentially not very nice players in the likes of Joey Barton. And then, yeah, just what what else can you say, really? Mixed results. Upsetting players by calling them Charles Insomnia when they're called Charles Insomnia. Yeah, he's um, a bit of a... Johan Kebab, if it's called Johan Kebab, it's just <laughs> just a mess, to be honest. But yeah, oh, it, the actual it was the beginning of the end. Check, the moments to go check out is that press conference yeah, and those so. interviews where... Just mispronounce his players' names. I mean, crazy. He swore fifty times in that five-minute press conference. He dropped the C yeah. bomb. Um, he it was the beginning of the end for Newcastle in this season because they had it, his form took them into the relegation zone, and even the mighty the mighty Alan Shearer couldn't rescue the Newcastle United uh, season, and they obviously went down, losing one 0 away to Aston Villa. But Joe Kinnear, I think calling him a football dinosaurs kind of an affront to dinosaurs because looking at his career <laughs> he's had seven he had seven years at Wimbledon which you know that's probably their heyday after the 1988 FA Cup final kept them in the league kept them alive uh, resigned um, because of ill health and then Wimbledon got relegated the season after he was director of football at Oxford for a year resigned due to ill health two years he spent at Luton got them relegated the first season sacked the squad and then that was his sort of, apart from that forest job, which you've already spoke about, Yeah. Um, that was his last job for four years until he got the Newcastle job, which was his last job in football management, but then returned in 2013 to this Newcastle. He came back. He came <laughs> back. But I was just about to say, like, you look at that record and you think, how has he got the job? He's either not being able to finish a job or not done well. So he's a friend of Mike yeah. Ashley. Well, I'd say he must probably be. not because... In that interview where he gets he gets the director of football job, um, Sky Sports News do an interview with him, and then he gets Mike Ashley's name wrong, calls him David. So <laughs> I don't mm. even think him and Mike Ashley are friends, but there must be something going on there for him to get that job, and then for him to get the job again in a sure. in a role where you've kind of got to know players as well. And he clearly didn't even know his first team when he was manager. Well, he told a pack of lies to get the job. He said he signed Tim Krull and he didn't. He said he signed Dean Oldsworth for 50 grand, which um, 
he saw that he signed him for 650 grand and he said he got John Artson on a free when actually he signed him for Wimbledon for 7 million. So, yeah, um, exactly. It's quite a uh, topical topic to be talking about this week because Newcastle obviously are they going to get taken over, aren't they? But well, yeah. I would say he's probably one of the most out of place managers in the history of the Premier League. And I've devised a bit of a list here. Alan Shearer obviously is a successor, but he was yeah. not experienced in management. But like we're seeing that now with Perlo, Gerard, Lampard, who get big jobs when they're not when the club legends, but they're uh, not had any managerial experience. So I've got Brian Clough at Leeds. Yeah, no, it, it just doesn't work. And obviously, forty-four days in, you know, throw your medals in the bin, sacked. Paul Gascoigne at Kettering, do you remember that? Not really, not really. Never got paid and just left after six games. <laughs> Leroy Rossini spent ten minutes at Torquay United, didn't didn't do well. Yeah. There. Obviously, the big one recently, Gary Neville at Valencia. Yeah, out of his depth, that he's admitted himself. And you know he got a draw. Did he get a draw at Barcelona? Or was that David Moyes that I'm thinking of at Real Sociedad? Another manager out of place. You know, Uno I want to say David times. Moyes beat Barcelona. He might, yeah. To be fair, he might. Have. I think yeah. Gary Neville might have got a draw. He got a big result at one stage, apart from the big losses that he had as well. Oh, yeah. Edgar Davids at Barnet. Another one. He's an absolute. He was absolute nutter at Barnet in the. Uh, I think they were in the conference at the time. Player manager used to get sent off all the time. Uh, Tony Adams, Granada, lost every single game, got relegated, never was seen ever again. And Granada has since come back and uh, got into the European places in La Liga. So shows how good Tony Adams was. And as we yeah. spoke of before on the podcast, Avram Grant at Chelsea somehow got them to a Champions League final, quickly vanished after that one though. And a couple of others, I've got Claude and Elka, managed Rafe Rovers, Claude, uh, Nicholas and Elka's brother, Got one point from 10 games, was quickly sacked from that job, but maintained wow. a director of football role, so quite similar to uh, Kinnear's, Kinnear's yeah, time yeah. spent at Newcastle, which was, albeit very brief. Sliding Dow's moment, isn't it? Claude Elka, Joe Kinnear. <laughs> two pieces in a pod, essentially, I think. The one very, thing very that stand out to me there, and I think a similar to the Kinnear ones, probably Avram Grant. You yeah, know, this yeah. just this guy who's lurked in the shadows and then suddenly is in the hot seat. Pounces. And yeah, to be well, fair to Grant, say, he didn't do a bad job. Yeah, and you've got to say, Brian Clough at Leeds, great manager, but God knows why. Philosophically, work. it just didn't work. It just yeah, didn't I work. guess so. So, yeah. And I didn't know about Claude and Elka, to be fair. That's I didn't. I, I didn't. I watched that the Nicholas and Elka documentary. documentary. Yeah, exactly. documentary the sequel, Claude and Elka. Imagine if Joe Kinnear at Newcastle was a documentary. <laughs> well, like an all or nothing or Newcastle till I die sort of thing. It'd have to be till I die. <laughs> the all or nothing ones have got an air of actual polish and this club's <laughs> good to him, whereas Sunderland till I die, you know what's happening. Newcastle till I die with Joe Kinnear would be electric viewing but <laughs> yeah. brand name versus good value that's what that is anyway that's it yeah so after this we'll be talking about football films as goal was released 15 years ago on this day
And on this day, 15 years ago, Goal was released. Goal, one of the best football films ever made, in my opinion. It charters Mexican footballer or wannabe footballer Santiago Munez, and he crosses the Mexican-United States border, ends up living in, I think it's New Mexico or California. I can't really remember. I haven't watched it in a long, long time. Anyway, he gets an opportunity for Newcastle United, where he finds love with a support worker, befriends a mechanic, and becomes a local. After a few tough reserves matches, a death in the family, as there often is, he gets his big break where he scores against Fulham. And then there's a final date match with Liverpool where, he, where the winner gets into the Champions League, a storyline that would play out on the Champions League video game this same year, I think, so they ripped that one off. So Newcastle obviously win. Um, his pal and teammate Gavin is a bit of a prick. Um, and yeah. the goal series or franchise would come back for two more installments. Number two takes place at Real Madrid, which features some bizarre cameos from Zinedine Zidane, Beckham, etc. And number three, the worst of the lot, takes place at the 2006 World Cup, a film that the character playing Munez wasn't happy about whatsoever. And he said it's a piss take, well, not in so many words, but and he's barely in it and he doesn't play. And he wants to make a fourth film, apparently. So. Oh, really? What are your thoughts on the goal franchise? Yeah, very naughty. You say it's the best football film, but I think... One of, not enough. Not the best. <laughs> there's not enough good football films as it is, so... No. For me, it's good. It's got its appeal. Like If I watched it now, it'd still be... It'd be nostalgic, whereas at the time, anybody who watched it probably thought it was shit hot, especially if they were like similar ages to us. yeah. Um, and it was the way it was kind of revolutionary. Is that too strong to say? The way that they blended in real match footage and filmed some of the match footage and stuff, it did work quite well, to be fair. No, it was a bit like um, Dream Team, the TV series on Sky One, which you could tell yeah. was either always Everton or Chelsea or Portsmouth because they played in purple, didn't they? And they just shifted the colour a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And that was the, the acting in that. In Dream Team, shocking. Um, goals probably a technically better production. Um, it's probably the it's probably one of the more mainstream football films. Like the the um, the actual football creation in the film is usually quite shoddy in most of them. Like I mean, yeah. I've got a list here of football films um, that I, I, I had on the top of my head when I was writing the notes up. She's the man. Um, dreadful film, dreadful football in the actual film. It's obviously a loose yeah. take on a Shakespeare play, so I've been told. Um, Air Bud or Air Pup, I've forgotten what the name is, but yeah, those series of films are just, let's be honest, shite. Talking dogs. Talking dogs playing... F- does he talk or does he just silently play football and be kicking? No, they all talk, yeah. Do they actually? <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't know how he... he the film's subtitle is World Pup, and he gets. does he get to play at the World Cup? Yeah, I assume so, yeah. yeah, yeah fucking hell. Um, Shaolin, Shaolin Soccer is one of them where it's like, I only just remembered that as we're recording. Shaolin Soccer yeah. is... I don't remember any of the storyline to it or the actual story behind the film, but it's just like um, a really bizarre like Shaolin Soccer. It's yeah, I'd say it's probably cool. decent, to be fair. Obviously, you've got animation, so you can kind of take little bits with it. Yeah, football is... The football is obviously the best in in the uh, yeah. the football subgenre of films. Escape to Victory is good. When Saturday comes, yeah. Sean Bean, so it's going to be good. Um, Fever Pitch, which is a great book and it's a good film. Nick Cornby obviously wrote the book 
I think it was Nick Hornby yeah, who wrote the book, adapted it for the film. Colin Firth actually does a good job at impersonating a football fan in that one. And Jimmy Grimble, which is my favourite football film, grim northern working class, lots of deaths, lots of, you know, grimness and bleakness and fires and lost football boots that are magic. So my there is a bit of, there's a bigger mission here and I don't know if you did it on purpose because you're saying it in the football film but the Damned United where it talks about oh yeah course, the Damned Leeds, United. but that is class I think there's a common theme where apart from goal obviously you know when you look at the ones like Jimmy Grimble especially it's more not about the football it's about what happens around it maybe that's for all sports films yeah like, and I often find that the films, the sports films, the stories around the sports films are usually quite shocking anyway. They're usually shoddy yeah. and half-baked. But Goal, that's I think... Like Ray, quite Rage and Bull, that's probably an exception. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, Rage and Bull's a good one. Yeah, probably the best sports film, really. Yeah. That's well, boxing like films usually are. Because obviously on the pitch leads to a garbage under Brian Clough, but... I didn't want to include that because it's it's a true story, so it's more of a an adaptation of what happened in real life, wasn't it? And also, I forgot it when I was writing the notes. But it's a, it's probably the best one of the best films about football. And obviously, there's like documentaries. So we've been talking Sunderland till I die, the All or Nothing series. That, you know, Spurs and Man City have brought out Leeds had a documentary recently. We spoke about these last week. Um, Big Ron manager, etc. Um, I watched the Anelka documentary on Netflix this morning. Also, the Paul Gascoigne one on Netflix is quite good as well. Yeah. And I, I don't know, the, the Anelka one, I'd, we all have this opinion of him that he's like a big moody bastard. And then he actually tells his story, and, you know, from his anti-Semitic gesture, which he, you know, quite believably says that it was about Steve Clark, not about the Jewish population. Because he's what is it trying to say about Steve Clark? Like some sort of dictator or something? No, well, <laughs> well apparently he, he subbed him off and um, then he got sacked. So then it, they brought Nicholas Nelka back on, scored against West Ham, and he did the gesture. And his point of view is actually quite reasonable. He says, Why would I think about Jewish people immediately after scoring a goal? That's true. Because, well, <laughs> well, so, it, so he just did that gesture and didn't realize that it was another gesture. Yeah, he, he thought it was a gesture of defiance, where it was obviously right, has okay, political yeah. connotations and obviously yeah. got banned and then it's left. A, it's a good explanation. Like. Maybe it's just a big bluffer, but I, he came across well Maybe. in that film and I would recommend it to anybody who likes Anelka and likes football films. I will check that out, to be fair. I wonder if, like, you, you're saying um, the lad who played Santiago... Wants a re like a fourth goal, but I'm surprised yeah. it's not being talks in the world of film reboots to do a reboot and maybe sort of base it around a true story. Yeah, but right. I think what it'll come Javier down Hernandez. to is because this was the thing with goal is they they had a deal with Adidas, which is why it was Newcastle, and then and why Real every team why every team they played they were always Adidas teams. So, like, if it were Nike, he could have been playing for Arsenal at that time. Yeah, so United. Be, yeah, I wonder if that'd be the same issue now. But like, you could you could easily Probably. see Neymar's story become, or even Messi's story become like a film. Neymar's a really good story, actually, with all the you know yeah. 
alleged fraud and, you know, well, proven fraud. Messi as well, obviously, injected with growth hormones and shipped halfway across the world and tried to be a, made a Spanish national. But yeah, aside from that, yeah, there are, there's some good stories to be told out of the last 20 or 30 years. What's your favourite? Have you seen all the goal films? Yeah, I probably. Even I do three. like two, to be fair. Yeah, I, I, mean, I prefer two. Yeah, three is garbage. <laughs> Free is free is not a goal. Free is not canon. Someone yeah, it isn't canon. I I went it shouldn't be considered canon. I went to go looking for that in the local Woolworths. I think it was Woolworths. I don't know if they were still around at that time, but I went to go look for it um, in the shop because thinking our oh, DVD, um, and it just it they didn't have it on DVD at all on the release date, and then I realised it was just an absolute shocker of a film, and it was I watched it online. And that's the only way I could seem to manage to get hold of it on release day. And he's not even in it. And it follows these two never before seen England footballers at the 2006 World Cup. And they don't even like, they don't even color correct it to make like Portugal perhaps be England or Germany perhaps be England and they get all the way or whatever. But either they lose to Portugal on penalties. So you're thinking, oh, will this be a different story? No. Then one of them gets shot and it's like, what the f- this film is shit. <laughs> It's like one of the worst films I've ever seen outside of the football subgenre. Like it's even yeah, probably yeah, on a par with the room. It's yeah. So fuck goal three. Yeah. Well, now obviously we're in the world, like you said, that we mentioned last week, of the football documentary. So they might all just pump all the money into that now, rather than thinking of an original story and risk another flop of a film. Because a lot of them do flop, to be honest, don't they? <laughs> to be honest, it. I'd prefer to watch more documentaries about real yeah. f- real football teams or stories about the past, you know, like a last dance type thing about, you know, you know, yeah. different t- sort of era. Right, so now we've finished talking about football films and documentaries. We're going to look at our 2000s trivial teaser after this. Before we leave the comfortable inertia of the footballing world, we're going to take a look at our 2000s trivial teaser. So last week, I forgot our teaser, and the answer is Andy Johnson, centre-forward, managed Trevor Francis, Harry Redknapp. His teammates were Christopher Ray, Nuno Valente, Mikel Arteta, John Arisa, and Jose Basingua. So this week, we've got another centre-forward. He's been managed by Fabio Capello, Manuel Pellegrini, his teammates have been Thomas Graveson, Jonathan Woodgate, Kaka, Julian Draxler, and Christian Fuchs. Who am I? I've gone for a bit of an easier one this week. Have you? I feel as though it's an easy <laughs> <That's>, one. Uh, <laughs> and played in Premier League? No. Ah, right, yeah. Yeah. And he's not English. I was going to say, I can't think of anyone in the Premier League who has played with all of them players. Only Kaká and Draxler haven't played in the Premier League out of those 5-2. So Alex is obviously stumped, but if you know the answer or you think you know the answer, please leave it in the comments section and the answer will be revealed next episode. For me, Draxler there is the red herring because he just doesn't fit in that generation of players. He's, too, he's so much younger than the others. Oh, Fuchs. Oh, yeah, he's quite older, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. Um, Graveson could be, really. I think Graveson yeah. is. But then I devised it, so I know it is. So. 
<laughs> we'll be back in a few short seconds. Right, so before we leave episode 11 in the past, have you got any other business for us? Yeah, I just thought it might be a good time to look at our Fantasy League and say thank you to everyone who's joined our What If Fantasy Football League so far. Still time to join, obviously. Um, I'm going well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, basically. So we now, this is, we now speak after the opening Premier League weekend where yeah. we had the mental Leeds versus Liverpool game. Mm-hmm. Um, where Leeds didn't show that's uh, amazing to me, but anyway. <laughs> but basically, many leagues are divided between fantasy players <laughs> who have Salah as captain and those who don't. So, currently at the top of ours is Michael Kuda Bosman, and he's got 90, 90 points. points. Yeah. 90 Salah's points. Got like... 40 of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> captain him. To say he's only making up less than half of those, that's pretty good. So, well, half of those exactly, sorry, that's not bad. Me and you, in terms of me versus you, I'm just edging it out. So eight points, eight points. So don't get, don't luckily get too for me, I went into Monday Night Football shitting it because of Timo Werner <laughs> and not just me and Jake were like other leagues that I'm in, people having him in the team. Luckily, didn't score that first goal, just got an assist, a dubious assist, can I add? Oh, because he won a penalty. Well, I think that counts. I thought it might have counted. Uh, yeah, it is yeah, a bit dodgy, I isn't it? <laughs> I think that's a bit dodgy, to be fair. He'll come, he'll, um, I think he'll score 20 goals this season. That's why I put him in on his cheap. Havertz will, t- Havertz will probably come good in October, November, another one of my players, and again, yeah. he's cheap. So. I think I've put Havertz in early, and I think anyone who's put him in at this stage probably has, but I'll stick with it. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. This week, United come into proceedings, so might be making yeah. some more changes. I've already got Greenwood in my team. Do I then go and put Bruno in there as well, or Rashford? So before United's uh, first game back, I've got Bruno, Cap- Bruno captain, Bruno Fernandes as a triple captain, but the only dilemma is He's just had his baby and he might be quarantined in Portugal. So it's a bit touch and go for me. Oh, shit. So, what happens in that situation? Does it go to your vice-captain with triple? I don't know. I, I think I've, my vice-captain is either Werner or I can change that anyway, Kat, but I don't know. Maybe it bounces back. Who knows? But if it doesn't bounce back and it goes to my vice-captain, I'm going to either... Ch- I've put Salah into my team as well. I've taken a point sit and just put Salah in. And he'll be my triple captain, I think. I think they've got Chelsea, so maybe not. Maybe I'll just pick yeah. some bum and put him triple captain like Burnt Leno and hope he keeps a fucking clean sheet. But yeah, I'm in terms of football, in terms of FPL, I've never been that invested in it until we've started. We've done this £20 bet every season for the past, probably since the World Cup, last World Cup, yeah. so two years now. So this is our third season doing this. So we, I've only really been invested in it the past few years. Where have you been on sort of that? Do you usually keep tabs of it? Because sometimes I've just been like, three weeks I'll be like, yeah, I'll get on it and just be like, I don't know any of the fucking codes of different differentials. I don't even know what that means. Uh, you know, people putting the fixtures out on Twitter or whatever and there's a big community about it. 
where do you stand on FPL? Do you just lose interest quite quickly, or do you? Are you one of these where it's Monday morning first thing? Check who's got the price drop. Check who's you know fucking all this bollocks that you, it's like a full time oh, job. No. I didn't even know about all that to be fair, but I'm I am fairly attentive with it now, like probably same time as you. And then at work we've got a few different ones as well. So for those reasons, like they're just for personal pride. I mean one of them we're doing this year is for a tenor, um, which I'm second in at the moment to be fair. But by about three points between well as eight points between second and fifth, so still plenty to play there. Thirty-seven games. Well, yeah, I, did, I didn't even realise they had these little sub-communities, so I might have to look into that and get. Oh, some it's, it's absolutely mad. I do absolutely. find it mad this year. Just well, in every position, obviously, about goalkeeper, and this is just more of a comment on the modern game. But like some of the players who you would consider midfielders, their defenders are a lot of the players you consider strikers being midfielders. So going to be a very high scoring season whatever players you tend to pick because no one now is going to go for like generic centre midfielders if you're not going for a winger or a 10 or attacking midfielder you're a bit daft really I mean like you've gone for Van Dijk which I do think is a good shout and probably one of the few centre backs I've put in my team scored yeah I'm usually starting full backs in every position yeah, I've gone for a back three of Liverpool players and I've um yeah, I've ditched that and I've swapped Robertson out for Salah and made a few right. more adjustments. So I mean yeah, like you say, if you if one Liverpool player concedes, it's like pfft, your clean sheets gone. But they do keep yeah. the most clean sheets in the league on average. So Yeah, but will will teams look at what happened against Leeds and think we can yeah. actually get at them, are you? Yeah, I think Leeds are one of these teams where they'll play good against the good teams and play pretty shocking against the bad teams. But we'll uh, we'll see that. Oh, they'll be exciting either way, won't they? Because they'll be like they tend to get Bielsa teams seem to get knackered. So I'm not. I don't have any designs on picking any Leeds players throughout the entire season. Really, I only usually pick from like five or six teams, maybe like a Wolves or a Burnley or the top six. So that's my strategy anyway, and that's why I've never even come close to cracking the top. You know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever numbers well, that's what to be. Going into the starting weekend, I was thinking I don't have enough players here from good teams. So I went through my team and barring I mean they are my strikers, but barring Rodrigo and Callum Wilson, all the other players are from what you would call a top six team. Yeah. Apart from, and then I've got Barry Douglas on the bench and Adam Webster from Brighton on the bench. Yeah, my my bench I usually have just straight lowest common denominator players yeah. and just yeah. you know, let's put them there and they won't do anything and just well the can surprise you is it Sergio Rico played for Bournemouth last year you you love Sergio Rico you and I put Luca him in Dean. not really knowing and then he, he ended up playing and getting a few assists so it can work out for you doing that to be fair yeah and going down at the yeah. end of it but my mistake so far is definitely putting Rodrigo in because I had Raul Jimenez and I've never swapped him out I think I had him in for last season the whole time yeah this the sort of dependable he's going to score you tons and tons of goals but he will score enough Rodrigo yeah. a dumb player comes down and gives a penalty away so yeah <laughs> classic that. only problem with Bielsa's players is he, he doesn't pick them from the off until about probably a few weeks into the season until they've got his uh, tactics properly down so yeah 
well enough to stay in the team, to be fair. So. No, well, no. Um, well, we're, neither of us are football pro- fantasy Premier League experts. I'm definitely not. Um, but please join our league, and if you're in the league, keep track of it. Maybe if um, it gains a bit of traction, maybe we'll have a prize for whoever wins it. But we've probably got a few professionals in the league since I've put the hashtag FPL out and invited people, so that's what... The winner will probably have like 3,000 points or something daft. A few, a few sharks there wanting a prize, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, we we see you, Gary Watson, in the FPL League again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all we've got time for this week. Next week, we're going to have a look at Sunderland and Peter Reid in the year of 2003. We've got an answer for the Capello Fuchs teaser. And elsewhere on the channel, we'll be looking at the 1996-97 Premier League season, AC Milan, Cristiano Ronaldo, the £20 million match, football video games, and of course, FIFA 96. I'm at if, what if underscore YouTube, I've fucked it up again, and you're Alex J. Rhodes. Join our FPL League. Comment on the uh, video with a teaser answer if you've got it. But until then, we'll be back next week for episode 12. My head's gone. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.